0: multiple nights out of the week how do you sort of see attendances have they uh, you know you always hear they're down it's Is that so hard to
1: pick at the moment um you know I have a lot of conversations with a lot of venue owners right so I have a long history with the Wickham Park Hotel from playing there with Di Pritchard um and also you know helping them with their PA for years mm-hmm. and um, you know, I've said Lazard's, there's entrance leagues. Um, you know, I used to do a bunch of stuff for Wes at one time. Um, and then there's a couple production companies that take me out and I end up going to some venues and doing, yeah. um, you know, like Black Stars a couple week- weekends ago at the 16 footers, yeah. you know, which is a, a groovy venue. So, uh, you know, um, but it's really weird. I think at the moment. Once you think as a venue owner or someone that works in this business and you work in a building, you think you've got something figured out, Mm. you're reminded that you can't call it. Yeah. Because I have seen what should be like guaranteed usual kickers. Mm -hmm. Pseudo flop. Yeah. But then the next time they come around, it's all back on. Right. And you're like, what the hell happened last time? Right. Right but we've had such disruption to our city. Hmm. And this is a particular bugbear mine and you know Cuz you live right in yeah, 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 yeah. right I mean, in the heart. I right live of... on Watt Street dude yeah. and I
0: had Let loose, let loose. Let You had supercars, rail
1: construction, everything. The track is 3 meters from my bedroom window.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and for sandman to complain about the noise it clearly has to Well,
1: remove. you know, it I I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Um I haven't lived in a city in a while, yeah. right? And I did live in New York City for a little while, <clears throat> um, but I've usually been a little bit more out in the burbs mm-hmm. or um, like when I was in San Antonio, the Mexican section was actually the Southern section. I ended up down there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have this funny <laughs>
1: habit of sometimes gravitating towards m- minority communities. I don't know why, um, Maybe it's maybe it's the music culture. Um, so, this town, which has such a rich his- history, which was, like, downtown was ignored for a long time, mm-hmm. but I do remember when I first started coming up here, like, 15 years ago or something like that, there was that whole kind That's of... That's the
0: like- time frame Have you been in Newcastle, is around 15 years. Well,
1: I've lived here five or six now, yeah, right. um... Timeline for me is always a little bit. I always have to go and reconstruct to get dates a little bit. I'm kind of like that. Um, so uh, it was when Newcastle was like a bit of like Rabbit warrens mm-hmm. where they were still working on reconstruction post earthquake. Yep. And like there were all, they were like these funny little pop up galleries and stuff in the Rabbit Warren. So it was kind of like it was this desolate place, but like you'd walk through in it and you could tell that at that time, Council was finding some way to use some space, making it cheap, yeah, yeah. you know, going, you'll probably lose this, yeah. but here's <laughs> the thing, you know, here's way ten, way. 10 bucks a week, have your art and have the front part of the building while we fix everything else, yeah, yeah. right? So, like, I walked into that and it was still all very steel town down mm-hmm. at the foreshore. And so I first landed here and it was just like, wow, man, this is like, this would be like if Philadelphia was on the water, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah totally reminded me of just like any steel town I've ever been in. Yep. You know. Saw some in Germany. You know, just they they have that similar kind like of vibe, vibe, right? Yeah. And so I understood the music of Silver Chair and I understood <laughs> the music of the Screaming Jets. Yeah. And I you know, it it working class. Rock Town, you know. Rocktown. And the underground art culture, right? And so because I, I came in when Newcastle was really gutted, and from the history, from what I've learned, is when the earthquake happened, because downtown really kind of got walloped, mm. um, Islington and whatnot, and like the Kent Hotel, and all of a sudden, became Central Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. So hence why we have the Wicko, and we mm. have the Kent, and we have all those pubs around there that... On Sunday, there's the great the great Newcastle pub crawl. You know, yeah. It starts at the Prem <laughs> early in the afternoon, yeah. and then you wander over to um, the Wicco for the late afternoon, and yeah. if you still want to rock on, you go to the Kent, <laughs> where I had a residency with Die and mm-hmm. Dave for a year and a half or something like that, yeah, yeah. and you go and sweat it out there, and you'd play the first set to almost nobody, but then the Wicco would close, and then all of a sudden all the people throwing. that that... When you went and played the Prem a month later, Mm -hmm. you'd be like, oh, I remember your face at the (laughs) Wicco. Wow, you've been going since when? Um, And it would would rock on, you know? I think they've made a rather large deal sometimes about some of the incidents that have happened at a place like the Kent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find it unfortunate some of the things that have been happening there with like the Oasis and stuff like that, limitation of hours and things like that. Um, But, you know... The supercars thing, I'm going to keep that short. Um, council gave up all oversight on the work being done, and yeah. it was done by cowboys.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I've heard a lot of stories. From I am very, very
1: suspect here. that all of us that live along that road were uh, supposed to expo- exposed to asbestos. Because mm-hmm. I watched them smash 50 to 100-year-old sewer pipes yeah. that, as far as I know... During that period, the only thing that they ever lashed (laughs) them together with was asbestos strapping, Mm. right? So, and there was no containment. I saw a whole bunch of stuff. Their concrete work is atrocious, and my brother is a super for one of the biggest builders in the United States. Mm. I've seen how you do it, (laughs) and I've watched them do it. Taint how you do it. (laughs) Um, And... I've watched businesses get walloped, some of them that I worked for, um, and there's not been any of the compensation equal to what should have been done. And it seems like they decided to throw everything at once, right? And, you know, we didn't need to have a light rail. The corridor was fine and already there. Um, I think the time's going to come that when – newcastle really gets on its feet again they're going to find the light rail is not going to be able to keep up with demand you're like going, wow imagine if we had a heavy rail line <laughs> um so i think short-sightedness and haste yep. has made this a really really hard time i've watched businesses downtown shut i've seen some of them really struggle i've seen one in particular that Is known for their charity work that Mm -hmm. actually had to cut back on how much of their income they were giving away to the charities that they have been doing for, I have no idea because they were here before I came here. And so that's where like this whole thing where this hashtag idea that I think the Wicco came up up with t-shirts of that just said, we were here first, Mm. right? There's all this development and everything that's shutting down the culture here. And... You know, we're starting to get noise police. You know, my favorite town, like one of my favorite towns, Austin, like I said. They're facing the same thing. And they have a campaign that they call Keep Austin Weird. How do we keep Austin (laughs) weird, (laughs) right? And there's something really, really crucial about that. Because if you like the things that are cultural about your city, you have to make sure that you support those cultures. Because once they go, it becomes dead. How
0: much support... Do you find that there's been a cultural shift away from evaluation of music as a form of entertainment? There seems to be a complete surplus of things you can do other than that. You can uh, still yeah home, look, Netflix. We're, we're up, up against
1: it with the whole Netflix thing and stuff where <laughs> it's so easy to. Blah, 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 blah. But I always think that there's a backlash against these things, yeah. right? Where suddenly it's just like, ah, you know, my sciatic is getting me because I've been <laughs> sitting on the lounge all day yeah. feasting on another series again, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and ha- and then this is the second run because I fell asleep on it the first time, yeah, yeah. right? So and so, as much as I think that there are some really big forces that are making it feel like we're under siege, mm-hmm. I do think that thanks to guys like Grant Walmsley from the Screaming Jets um, and Marcus Wright and there's quite a list Mm -hmm. um, that have been kind of getting together with council and starting to say, hey, you know. These protections in place. And, and you know, what happens when a a 160-year-old pub suddenly has high-dollar apartments built right on top of them? You know, is this, is that trade-off worth it? Yeah. You know? How many jobs and stuff does... And, and, you know, that's your history. That's, you know, and and it's a little bit of... There will be a time 20 years after the fact that if you you lose all this, Mm. no one's going to want to live here. Yeah.
0: How do you get people... Why
1: don't people go out anymore? Uh, Well, you know, I think they do. I think there was... There's some places that have corporatized too much where, like, you know, some of the big clubs... The entertainment is booked by someone who looks at it as just a checklist yep. thing that you check off so they like they've checked an act mm-hmm. and you know like I have nothing against cover acts and stuff you know I think you know there's some it's, great it's cover acts there good. and there and look clubs are a lot but there's other things out there and always picking the easiest thing yeah it gets stale even for the people that are there mm. you know in the pokies and all the da-da-da-da-da. but but then they have the you know the big shows where they put other stuff on and it's just like i said it's been really 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 hard for i think businesses to make the call like we have all these transportation issues now yeah right and these are serious issues Mm. you know when i was still at the ballroom there were still all those after like through the night buses Right. And so a whole bunch of patrons that when 2, 3 a.m. would come around, if they weren't wanting to do the full night, Mm. they could go, I'm off. And they could safely go home at a reasonable rate. And, you know, and there you're dealing with an alternative crowd. They could time it in a way Mm. where they had security there and they wouldn't feel threatened because, man, there were some issues with that. So you're talking about the lockout laws before. Mm. Should have been a temporary situation because there were some things going on because, man, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember I I had a van that wouldn't start after a gig at the Wicko once. So I actually slept in my van at the Wicko on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Got up on the Monday, sorted the thing out, yeah. and started driving home. And it was like really early, and suddenly it was all stopped at the at the railroad crossing, mm-hmm. man. And there were cops running everywhere. The train was being held on and off, on and off. Some dude goes flying off, and, <laughs> and supposedly they've been after this guy since like three o'clock in the morning when lockout came and he had like glassed somebody right and so there was a panic and in hindsight I wouldn't have done it this way but they went and did but see now it's choking everybody because I can tell you working in a venue after lockout got really really interesting Mm -hmm. so you've gone to the place show starts 7.30 so you had dinner beforehand start having a few drinks Show's over at 11.30. You might want to stick around and still have a bit of a boogie. Mm-hmm. Well, somewhere in the next hour or something, I like to go and get myself something to eat. Yeah, yeah. Absorb some of this alcohol. Go get a kebab, Dan. And then come back. Yeah. Well, now you have people who don't get that option and maybe half their friends insist on staying. Yeah. And they have one too many. And maybe the peanuts and the stuff that are there aren't enough to deal with it. Or you have someone who stops drinking who's had a bunch and then suddenly goes into the crash mm. and they're a bit of a mess. Or what's even worse, the worst things that used to always happen is someone would come to the door and go out when the security guard wasn't there to check them. Yeah, yeah. And because they got out the door when someone wasn't looking and they didn't realize it was lockout, yep. suddenly they're not allowed in. Their purse, it happened to women all the time, There's purse is there. still inside, their friends are in, but... The club can get shut down if we're seen showing human leniency to a human being who is a patron of your pub, who is not the problem, Mm. right? And so I think it was such an overcorrection that on so many unintended levels, it has had a huge impact, and it's really, really hurt the nighttime economy, and I'm sorry, I live with sleeping (laughs) during the day while the rest of the world is working... I know that there's a lot of us yeah. that don't work nine to five and probably I feel at the moment downtown Newcastle for me is becoming a place that is becoming impossible for the shift worker to live in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's fully daytime. Ah, yeah. the parking. Yeah. I just got a parking spot, permanent parking spot. You have no idea. This is like <laughs> this is like I've been blessed by God. And I'm an atheist. <laughs>
0: Who are the best bands in town that you've seen, the best local bands?
1: Ah, uh, oh man. <coughs> um probably one of my favorites of all time, and if he ever hears this show, I just cringe. <laughs> <laughs> you tag you is, like is, <laughs> is Ben and the Delta Lions. I yeah. love I just Ben Lease, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love I just love that band because it was like I moved up here and it was like You know, he had all this nice mix of country, rock, punk, and soul, and everything. So again, no fixed ideal, just letting everything that has ever come into you, through you, and make... And he told all these wonderful Newcastle stories, man. It was like, it was this Springsteen-esque poetry coming out of these young guys, and I'd just be gone, this is like my introduction into what Newcastle is supposed to feel like. Yeah, yeah. Right? And the new stuff that he's doing is, 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 what I've heard is amazing. I got to go solo is isn't he? Yeah, 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 man. And the couple of songs that I've heard are just like some of the best kind of, man, folk music. But it's, again, he's just got his own feel of things. And he's just got such a wonderful voice and unique phrasing and... You know, it's like drummers, man. You can feel that you like the way the guy's heart beats, you yeah. know? Um, guy that I've just gotten to work with over the last couple of days with him not doing his music thing, but is Nick Connors who's doing some new stuff. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a, and again, it's a singer. Um, awesome, like, baritone, huge voice. You know, he's not this big guy, and all of a sudden this, like, thing comes <laughs> out of his face, voice. man. And you're like, Whoa! <laughs> Um, and he had a band a couple years ago from, you know, mixed at the ballroom a bunch of time called mm-hmm. the White Walkers. Yeah. yeah. And I really like kind of some of this kind of spacey kind of, um, uh, wicked game kind of. Yep. Right. And I could hear, um, God. Just this whole wide kind of Americana thing, but had mm-hmm. its own little weird twist to it. But it was just the gravity of his voice was always really, really amazing. Um, one of my favorite bands that just totally blew my doors off live had to be Trollhagen.
0: Yeah, they was cool. Oh, um, uh, man. Like, th- and a I, saw him at, like... I, I just
1: I like when bands are so good that they stop taking themselves seriously, yeah, yeah. right? Um, where you know what they do is so insane and it's actually really tricky some of the stuff that yeah, they yeah. do but they're like so good that they can be comedic and really loose in their delivery where it's just like ha? you know it's just awesome you know like the first the first time i saw him you know the singer's got like this brown leisure suit on with the <laughs> suspenders and he's like you know he looks like some character of some guy that would run a pawn shop yeah. somewhere in like the Bronx where I was growing up,
0: you know? There's a quote of the day I heard at Thrashville where I saw him. A friend was there, the singer in my band, Jaden, and he goes, Man, I've had too much acid for this. <laughs> <laughs> it was just too much for him. First time I heard this guy. guy yeah. Oh, that guy at the.
1: And did, 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 did they do the ABBA thing? Oh,
0: I don't remember myself, uh, man, they, but they, it was. They
1: do the Give, give Me a Troll After Midnight. <laughs> Give me, give me, it's hilarious. Um, I didn't the, know
0: what to do with it, man. I, was, I enjoyed it. I was like, that's different. And there's some, some of it was just wicked. But then that like, metal and circus look, music sort of mixed together. I'll get, I'll get
1: into, you know, some of the stuff that's like more, more my age. But like, <laughs> um, you know, I, I love the idea. You know, it's still supposed to be entertainment, yeah. right? You know, like I love serious music. You know, but it's still supposed to be entertaining, yeah. you know? and They definitely take that box. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know? And it's, and it's just come out, come for the ride. Yeah. You're going to have fun afterwards, you know? Like <laughs> Ben Lee, I toured with Ben Lee years ago during the Iraq War when he mm-hmm. came out with that um, uh, Awake is the New Sleep. Yeah. And it was just like, for the time that was happening, he had written like this perfect kind of antidote for this really, really tense time in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, I went and did a few weeks of this run where he came out, you know, flowers on the mic stands and stuff, and he'd have his little zen dinners and yeah. stuff and everything. It was all really, really nice, though. pro as Band was really, really good. And then at the end of the night, very last thing he'd do is he'd send the band off, pull the feedback buster out of his acoustic guitar, sit on the drum riser, throw the feedback buster at his monitor guy, yeah, and do... He had this song, had this lyric about whatever it is, you can do it, be it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he turned it into kind of like a tantric mantra. Mm-hmm. But they turned the entire PA off. Yeah, 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 So all of a sudden, after this big kind of you know production rock show, it's poppy and stuff and all that, but it's still big, it's still loud. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the lights come down and you have this little kind of waif of that a guy and an acoustic is. guitar... And everybody gets drawn in and at the end you just say, Thanks, good night, and you walk off. No encore. They mm. wouldn't spoil that moment. And I remember it took me by surprise the first time. Like he's still on stage and I see the front of the house guy mute his console. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, What are you doing? He goes, watch. And I was like and I remember doing it one of the gigs was at Canberra University, mm. right? At the in it, where you do it in the cafeteria thing that they turn yeah, into yeah, a yeah. venue, right? Yep.
0: They used out of the middle for the brains down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so, like, I watched
1: I watched the the classic example of a whole bunch of kids that are walking around with the weight of the world on their shoulders, not just what was going on politically and whatnot yeah. and weird at the time. Um, they've got mom and dad's weight on their shoulders of yeah, yeah. uni and their own particular stresses and all that. And I watched a whole bunch of people, including the rough stagehands that we hired <laughs> to unload the truck, all walk out... Just a little less bothered. And they were all turning around talking to each other. This is really cool. Everybody walked in (laughs) in their own little bubbles. And throughout that show, I watched them all get disarmed. Hmm. And then walk out in little groups all talking about this really nice experience that they had. And I always respected Ben Lee for that record that he had this... Kind of really magical timing to come up with something that I felt like as I walked, went through the country doing this thing, yeah, going yeah. like this little bit of fairy dust I was kind of like <laughs> going around and dropping in little towns, you know?
0: <laughs> I think he gets a rap as being a bit lightweight, Ben Lee, uh, but I th- yeah, maybe yeah, it is, as you say, it's sort of a an uh, antidote to the gravitas of everything I think else. he I,
1: he came off as a really precocious young kid before that, but I also think he was a kid, yeah. you know? There's a point where he got to grow up, but you know... Aside from that, you know, it's like the uh, I've gotten to work with some of my heroes, like you've yep. actually asked about. It. And it's kind of like weird. Like, um, I've gotten now over the last few years, gotten to mix the Black Sorrows a number of times. And this is one of those bands that I was a fan of yep. before I landed here. And I knew Jojo's up and the Falcons and all that. And I did a couple of gigs with those guys years ago. And then suddenly the world brought it back around again that we were supposed to cross paths. Yeah. And in a weird way, it's just one of those things, just personally, we've all just clicked, every one of us, everybody in the band, even the the guys who replace people when certain yeah. people can't play. It's just like, you know, and when they walk in and see me in a venue somewhere, you know, the smiles come and the, you see the stress in the back, relax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have a, an incredibly wonderful time and I get to mix one of the musically most amazing live bands mm. that's ever walked. Yeah. And Claude Such a prolific summer that too. guitar player, man. I just every time I see <laughs> him I'm like Mr. New York Groove, because he's born in New York City, He's most of his, most of his life here. Mm-hmm. But like you do not lose where you come from. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> and you know, he's all but man, it still comes out just like it there's Brooklyn or something in there and my dad's from Brooklyn, yep. so. <laughs> <laughs> you play
0: music too. Do you do you think of yourself more as a musician or as a sound man? What's your
1: Right now, I'm frustratingly not as much of a, of a musician as I'd like yeah, yeah. to be. Um my production work is, it's just one of those things. It comes and goes, look, I had a big 15-year break where I felt like I wasn't a drummer anymore. Yep. Um, I was playing acoustic guitar. I mean, living as a busker for a while in Germany, which is like a whole other thing. <laughs> um, but I had this wonderful opportunity. And like drums was my first thing. And um, I remember when I hit 40, I kinda hit this thing where, you know, and I've been running really, really hard. You know, I've moved countries twice. <laughs> and um, I kind of was like, I want my first instrument back. Yeah. You know? Get I really, I really love, you know. I worked with all these great drummers, and every once in a while I'd get to sit down, like check a kick drum or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, I'd just be like, I miss <laughs> this, you know. And I didn't really realize how much it was actually a really, really integral part of my personality yeah. because in that time I realized that the lack the fact that I hadn't played, I had actually kind of shut a little bit apart a part of me down. Yeah. Right? It's part it became part of my DNA, right? Yeah. I love my I love playing acoustic guitar. I love singing. But when you get down to it, the thing that is most in my muscle memory yeah. is playing drums. So I had a young guy that was working with me on a lot of shows he was what we refer to as my cable bitch but he's what he is is your <laughs> is your patching wonder kind that as you're doing 20 bands in a day make sure that there is a microphone everywhere that there needs yep. to be a microphone everything that's plugged in is plugged in where it's supposed to be plugged in and walks up and tells me what i've got yep. so cable bitch is a bit unfair but it's the way we do it <laughs> um and uh he had just gotten an endorsement he had a band. He had just got an endorsement. So I had this kid, and he was selling off. And I was just like, I'll have that old Tama. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, you know, threw it in the garage and started, you know, trying to remember things. You know, things come back straight away. Mm. You know, it was like I remembered how to play, I needed to work on the physicality of it a little <laughs> bit. And then I'm out working on a Bon Scott tribute show. And seriously, it's like two months after I've gotten a kit. Yeah,
0: yeah. Dump <laughs> straight in. After 15 years of not <laughs> playing. <laughs> right,
1: I'm on this thing, and I get into a bit of a jammy thing. With, first, it was Die Pritchard and um, Mark Gable. And Die and I started kind of riffing together. I was checking the drum monitor, because the yep. drummer usually didn't make it to... Uh, Sound check sound or anything, check, so I just go and get a mix going, check that it's all going right. And so, you know, I started playing, it got a little heavy. And Mark Gable from the Choir Boys went and took the guitar off, put it down, went and got a yeah. cup of coffee. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, I just see these two eyebrows kind of like over the top of the tom toms, yeah. kind of like giving this evil little twerk. <laughs> And I changed groove, and Di kind of followed me. And he changed groove, and I kind of followed him. And he reached over the amp and turned it up, and we jammed for <laughs> a little bit. And I was kind of like, oh wow, that was mad. Now I knew I knew Die a little bit, and I I I knew his wife at the time too. Um, and but I still was a little scared of this big <laughs> motherfucker, yeah, right? Yeah. Who plays in this tough ass <laughs> band, Rose Tattoo, you know. And so I was still a little bit in awe of this guy, but I was getting to know him, and he's just one of the most lovely human beings that's ever walked planet Earth. And next week, he's like, that was kind of fun. (laughs) He's like, fuck yeah, that was fun. And he's like, I'm looking for a drummer. I'm like, you know, trying not to (laughs) fucking shit myself. I have a drummer. And it's like, I can't believe this. And he's like, give us your number, give us your address, I'll yep. drop some stuff off. He leaves c- CDs in my mailbox and says, your first gig's in six weeks, here's three hours of material, <laughs> no rehearsal.
0: Yeah. Are you ready?
1: Played the prem on the very first gig. The regular bass player couldn't make it, so I didn't even have a bass player that knew yeah, what yeah. was going on in a three piece. <laughs> and I s- ended up playing with him for about six years, did an album. Yeah. And man, it was like as soon as I f- he dropped this bomb on me, I just locked myself in the garage. And what I knew of what he did as a solo thing was that it was a very Hendrix y thing, which yeah. is a simplified version of what he does, but it was pretty, it was a pretty good poke in the right direction yeah so me and mitch mitchell <laughs> went in and just started hashing yeah, yeah. and just started going for it yeah. and what was cool is that he, he allowed me to one basically pick the new bass player and um let me make all of the songs of his my own yep. he knew that i wasn't gonna step on his toes but yep. like he never rarely ever told me what to play yep. we organically as a band felt made made those things and and it was a great time you know and via that got to play some incredible things support you know back to angry anderson doing yep. the angry anderson show and angry and bloody um Randall Waller jumped up and played with us, and yeah. with um Emil Emil came into the band by that point Emil Warner mm-hmm. unbelievable gun on Oregon in this town yeah um and so you know at at frankie's pizza uh, we stuffed seven movie. people on that postage <laughs> stamp. <laughs> It's a right? killer
0: venue there. there I am, and I practically
1: had Randall Waller falling on top of my crash cymbal, <laughs> you know? It was just insane. Um, and so, like, I've gotten to know, like, all these amazing people via that, like, um, uh, Mark Tinson, yep. who produced the record, and, you know, we is referred to as the Godfather, and I actually call him that. I'd specific-
0: like to eventually have a chat. I um, want to read his book first and May, then sort of
1: pick his brain a bit. Tino is one of the, again, he's just a spectacular human being. Yep. And his love of music. And what makes him really special is he has had such offers, I think, to go off and do things away from his hometown in Newcastle. And yep. he. I think he made a dec- decision that he wanted to... Stay always like, be a Newcastle yeah. boy, and I got to his. I got to support his band, Heroes, for our Newcastle album launch, and it was just kind of like, Whoa! you know, it's just like amazing, and you, you know, and I consider him, you know, a really really great friend now. You know, yeah. it's just like I would, he smiles when he sees me, I smile when I see him, and yeah. when we work together, <laughs> we know we're gonna have a fun day. That's what you can ask <laughs> for, really, isn't it? Like I said, it's about people, right? Yeah. It's so. That is a thing that I keep trying to tell people, that like, the whole life that I'm in, you're in, anyone who's made a living doing this, you do not choose this life. It chooses you. You don't have a choice in the matter. You try and make changes, and they tend to blow up in your face if you ignore this thing that... I'm sorry, we are fundamentally driven to do certain things, yeah, some yeah. of us,
0: you know. Yeah, I found that interesting with the last one I did with um, uh, with Simo, uh, Steve Simmons, and he was saying that at the end of the day, whether he becomes successful or not and can do a career of music, he's he's got to meet these people. And it's as you say, it's about those relationships that you mm. build really more than anything and those people that you meet. Yeah,
1: you know, um, I, I love the fact that it's like, it, it, the, the hard part about, it is, I've met so many people, like I can never keep track of names, yeah, yeah. you know? But like, <laughs> I can remember faces and what you played yeah. and possibly even the venue we gigged at, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, because those, there, I, I have the pathways connected because I can remember <laughs> like what view of you I had yeah, because yeah. of where my operating position might have been, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And and it just, yeah, man, it's <laughs> the whole thing. It's about people because it's like they're, there are people that I love seeing walk into the room and it doesn't matter what kind of music they're making. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just... It's just a good time being with... Parkway Drive cool. is, like, my favorite example of working a tour that, you know... And I love my heavy stuff. Like, you know, I, I saw Metallica a week before Ride the Lightning was yeah, released, yeah. right? Um, and Parkway, like, I get what they do, but musically, it just doesn't no, grab yeah. me. Yeah, I'm But, in, yeah. but... The show. (laughs) And they run like a well-oiled machine, one of the most... I I would tour them for six months just for the pleasure of working in the atmosphere because it's just so on top of it. just reminded me of Stones tours that I've worked on and Elton John and where it's just like, you do things right, and we find the money to do things (laughs) properly, right? And make it nice for everyone. (laughs) Um, And I just remember their audience and them, and they show up and they do their thing. And the mosh pit and the throwing of the footy in and the the (laughs) parting of the sea thing and floating the Oompa Loompa guy in the raft out onto the mosh pit, throwing lollies out into the crowd (laughs) while they've gone from dark background to sunny background and low fog and palm trees. And it's just like, what the hell just happened? And... (laughs) and i remember doing it at a venue when you did newcastle before it was rebuilt um i went up to the dress circle and the house guy ran to me thinking something was wrong because i'd come up to the dress circle i'm like no come here watch this
0: this? (laughs) (laughs) how much longer do you think you've got in you physically to keep doing oh man lugging gear and i turned 50 it's not
1: exactly a retirement plan no, for and no, 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 no. super to, fans I, I mean, and things. I, I do have that landmark coming up on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, which doesn't really worry me much. <laughs> um, but I think you know I've definitely stepped back my loading regime. <laughs> I have you know, and what's cool is like I work for a particular guy that. Still thinks that I'm that people like me are being paid to actually do the engineering work <laughs> and not the truck work as much. And whenever yeah, possible, yeah. M- takes away some of the truck work from us. Yeah. And it's great. And what ends up happening is we go and do really good work, yeah. right? Um, you get to
0: focus on what it is that you do.
1: You know, I get a new console. I end up having yeah. two hours walking around, poking around it to yeah, get yeah. familiar with it. Get comfortable. Um, not bang, 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 let's go. <laughs> um... I definitely have had to make some adjustments, you know, because I have injuries and stuff. I had yep. shoulder injuries from back in two thousand and stuff that have, you know, over time, gotten creaky. Yep. And I sometimes have to be careful, and every once in a while, the the neck does a thing, and I can <laughs> be a bit out of service for a little while. But you know, I try to I try to be careful, and yep. thankfully, um, I found I figured out my weight problems when i was younger and yep. i think that that's been a really really good thing for me yep. um it's limited some of the joint damage probably that that's because i've unloaded a lot of semi trailers yeah, the yeah. stones was 49 semi trailers and 27 of them were substage steel yeah, yeah. me and 150 guys did that
0: <laughs> yeah is it hard to look after yourself mentally and physically doing the work that you it, do it
1: i i think we're talking about it a little bit more because one of the one of the things that we all deal with is the the how it's become a 100% contract nature yeah, yeah. the business now and you know you're really at the behest of the payer yep. to be able to maintain a budget mm. and unfortunately when you know not so much now but in the past there were years where i had like 250 different employers in a year yeah. so that was every week having something that i was billing that it was going through somebody's new system yep. And even though, like, when contracting first came, it, w- it was kind of monitored a little bit better, and then it all kind of became part of it. And now it's a li- it feels a little bit more uh, Wild West yeah, yeah. sometimes. And so that is a struggle, and has always been a struggle in the, in the business. Yeah. But, like, when I had the Star City gig, there was Benny's and stuff like that. Yeah, you yeah. know there were you know organized gigs, but those are all casualized now, and there's hardly a permanent position in any of them. Yeah. And I think that that's unfortunate. Residence and it, and it, a dying thing is it, a, and it drizzles down. What's funny is there's actually an increase in it yeah. in in a certain level because certain levels couldn't afford to tour. Bands that tour places like the small ballroom, mm-hmm. the Cambridge, couldn't tour if they had to carry a production. Yeah, so the venues end up. Making arrangements to have systems installed yeah. so that then they're able to have the bands that fit their caliber at a lower price and they come with their engineers if you're lucky. Yeah. Right? And so that's an unfortunate function of budgets. And an interesting thing that pu- people don't talk about what I've watched over 20 years is the decrease in touring budget mm-hmm. is almost exactly proportional. To the increase in transport costs. Yeah. yeah. Because the only thing that you can't cut is gasoline or diesel. Right? You need your hardware. Where do you have left to cut? People. Yeah. And it trickles down.
0: (laughs) Just trickles down. Yeah, yeah. Where can people find you currently doing sand? Um
1: in the mid at the moment I'm doing the most unrock and roll three in the world. Um, and it's really fun. Uh, I'm working on this Hogwarts <laughs> thing at 48 Watt Street. Yeah. So it's um the whole place is done up um as uh you know the Hogwarts school. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like a bit of dinner theater. Mm-hmm. And it takes place in both parts of the building and there's a team of actors running around playing parts and um they run the whole houses yeah. uh, houses scoring Silver game. And, and, and oh and yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, high. yeah. And it's hilarious. And so, like, even some local musos are actually playing actor parts yeah, in this yeah. thing, right? There's so, a young singer by the name of Byron. I can't remember his surname. Um, he's at, he's actually Dumbledore. Yeah. Um, which is funny. I didn't know it was him until, like, day three because I hadn't seen him without the whole get-up <laughs> with the beard and everything. Um, and uh, it's really funny. So, like, when we have double show days, we have kids' shows. Yep. And it's been hilarious to watch the actors playing with the kids and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. um
0: You'd be getting plenty of older cred too
1: through. Oh, that. and yeah, at yeah. night and they all come dressed, and they're all cosplaying and yeah. stuff, and um, because they've done it once, I think primarily people are being coming dressed as the houses. Yep. Right, and you know you get some other people that cosplay the other things, and um, the uh, uh, the girl who plays uh, who's the crazy one, um, Bellatrix. Oh yeah. Who plays Bellatrix? She's hilarious, man. Yeah. And she she runs around, only appearing to the children mm-hmm. and then vanishing, except for her scripted scene. Yeah. And so she play she tries to play phantom all over the venue and pops up. Yeah. And there's one really really funny bit, and Valdemort does the same thing. And so the two of them are running around the background while the other three are kind of like playing the headmaster routines and the teacher's routines and doing yeah. the scoring. So I've got Snape out there and he does a class and <laughs> some other stuff. And it's, it's really funny. It's very camp, yeah. but it's great. It's great entertainment. Um, and, but my favorite bit that I saw the other day is Bellatrix pops out and just pops out to a table when everybody's seated, mm. grabs a bread roll and disappears. <laughs> About three or four minutes later, Valdemort comes out with the last piece of the bread roll, just munching on the last little bit, going, <laughs> yeah. and then it disappears again. And it's just, and it's like absurd, but it's escapist. And there's, you know, food and everything. It's, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, you know, the kitchen staff—they're on it. They're actually having to serve food to a theater schedule in the run of a show. Yeah, and so it's, it, you know. There's always something interesting in everything you get to do, and so and then like they've got a ball, and we do a band in the back, and
0: yeah, I was gonna say so they have bands,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like that's I'm like really the you know the. uh, I've got a band called Evergreen for the second half of it. Yeah. Um, I
0: can't think. Of the they name. got Harry Potter themed songs, have they? Or they no, 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 no. That anymore? that
1: uh, um no uh just <laughs> really top forty. They walk in on the on on the winter waltz oh, yeah. music right from the soundtrack, yeah. and I've got round fog and everything and they all kind yeah, yeah. in, Woo! Um, and you know uh, so you know they're all being fed like chicken legs yeah, and yeah. sausages and corn <laughs> and a and all that stuff and this insane caramel mud cake thing that the chef said well on this gig I'm not their dietitian <laughs> <laughs> Cool. All right. I think that's it, man. All Thank right, man. for a good bit. Thanks very much. No, no worries, appreciate man. it.
0: Thanks for being a part of it. Cheers. Legend. Cheers. <laughs>